0: Hi, I'm Blake Gilman, the Vice President, Director of Post Acute Care Services at LCS. You're listening to the Healthcare Highwire, the LCS Health Services Division premier podcast that inspires to provide meaningful and pertinent content that gives you an edge in balancing business and healthcare. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you
1: enjoy it. Welcome to Gone Learning, Back in 10, Healthcare Highwire's 10 minute study tool. Hello and welcome to Healthcare Highwire. I am Michelle Kramer, Director of Health and Wellness Programming and Post-Acute Specialist with LCS Health Services Division. Natalie Moore, Mock Surveyor and MDS Specialist with LCS Health Services Division, joins me today to talk about demystifying the requirements in coding isolation. Welcome, Natalie. Hey, Michelle. Thanks for having me. So, Natalie, I know there has been a lot of confusion out there in the industry regarding when communities can take credit for isolation, especially during this COVID-19 pandemic. Would you please explain the four requirements that need to be met in order to code isolation and take credit for it?
0: Absolutely. So, we can only code single-room isolation when all of the four following conditions are met. So, first... We need the MD to diagnose, have a positive test of active infection, and that infection has to have a highly transmittable pathogen that was acquired by physical contact or airborne droplet transmission. And then the second criteria, we have to have precautions that are over and above standard precautions. So not just gloving up like normal, you've gotta have a mask on, something over and above that standard precaution that we take. And then the third criteria, The resident must remain in a room alone and cannot have a roommate. So we cannot emphasize this enough. They have to be in a room by themselves. And then the last one is the resident must remain in that room and all of their services have to be brought into the resident. So therapy, activities, dining, everything. The resident cannot leave their room. Everything has to be brought to
1: them. So you cannot take credit for isolation just because the resident has a COVID-19 medical diagnosis? No, we need to ensure that all
0: four of those criteria are met in order to code isolation. For instance, if some people are cohorting their COVID positive, so in that example, we could not code because the resident has to be in a room alone and cannot have a roommate. So in that example, they do not meet the isolation criteria for single room. In addition to those four criteria, you also have to have documentation in that medical record. So the four criteria somehow have to be recorded in your medical record. That can be in a nurse's note, a huge blurb about the diagnosis that they have, the precautions that you're taking, that they're in a room by themselves and that all of those services are brought in. You can write an order to the effect of that. It just has to be in that medical record somewhere.
1: I agree that documentation is very necessary. So is there anything else that we need to be aware of when coding isolation? Yes, because the resident has to be in their room, we really
0: have to be cognizant of how we code Section G on the MDS.
1: So why is that? What are we looking for in Section G of the MDS?
0: This is something that we don't really think about. And I think we make a lot of mistakes in this area. So specifically, we're looking at G0110D, E and F, which is walk in the corridor, locomotion on the unit and locomotion off the unit. If you think about that, if we're saying that the resident has to remain in their room, we're bringing all the therapy in, we're bringing all of their food, dining services, everything into the room, then we have to indicate they haven't left the room in Section G. So we really need to code 8-8 in those areas. Again, that's walk in the corridor, locomotion on the unit, and locomotion off the unit.
1: Wow. Isn't it also true that you only need to prove that the resident was on strict isolation one day in the 14-day look-back period? Yeah, that
0: is true. That's something else that um, a lot of people aren't aware of. So as a matter of fact, one of our communities managed by LCS just won an additional documentation review, the ADR, by submitting proof of documentation that the resident remained in the room only on the day of admission. And they did that via their ADL record. A lot of times what is happening when we're coding isolation and we get that ADR, They not only want the MDS, but they're asking for the ADL records. And the reason why they're looking for those is because they want to see how the CNAs were coding that locomotion on and off the unit to see, did they leave their room? And we were able to prove that just on the day of admission, everything was coded 8-8. So even though the resident left the room all the other days during the look back period, that one day gave them what they needed so that we're able to win the ADR.
1: Well, it's really important that documentation piece that we have that in the medical record. It is imperative that we have that so that we can reflect the need for isolation and to be able to code that. So I know that there are a few idiosyncrasies regarding COVID-19 coding isolation versus quarantine, too. Would you please explain more about that?
0: Yeah. When we're talking about isolation, we're talking about those four criteria that we have to meet. When we're taking in people and we're doing the quarantine for 14 days, that's just what it is. We're just quarantining. They're not meeting the four criteria. They don't have a positive test, so they don't even meet the first criteria. So you just stop when you're looking at the criteria, you go through the first one. They're not meeting that, so you automatically know you can't code it. Now, in the event someone does have COVID-19, and that's why they're in quarantine, and they're not leaving the room, and you've got that positive result, be sure that you include the ICD-10 code. In section I-8000, so again, you have proof. You're showing the whole picture. Section G is showing they're not leaving their room. Section I, the diagnosis. Section O, you're coding the isolation. So that it's the whole picture of the snapshot in time and it really makes sense.
1: Yes, and the documentation in addition, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So Natalie, I know we have been asked this recently, can a community still code isolation if the resident needs to go out of the community for dialysis, for instance?
0: Yeah, so this is a question that throws people off quite frequently. So if you guys just go into your RAI into chapter 3 and look at pages 06, it states that if a facility transport a resident who meets those four criteria for the single room isolation, they go to another healthcare setting to receive medically needed services. They even give the example of dialysis, chemotherapy, blood transfusions, etc., which the facility does not or cannot provide, they should follow CDC guidelines for transport of those patients with the communicable disease and And they may still code O0100M for the single room isolation since isolation is still being maintained while the resident is in the facility. So short answer is yes, (laughs) still code isolation for your residents who are going out to dialysis. So in this case, obviously they would have left the room that day. So you would code G appropriately saying how much assistance it took them to move on and off the corridor. And in the event that you do have an ADR, just remember to quote the RAI and provide documentation and proof that the resident went out to dialysis, but maintained those in room isolation on all those other days.
1: Wow, Natalie, that is so important to know that documentation, documentation, documentation is the most important as well as the coding of Section G and making sure that we're coding the ICD-10 code in I-8000 if that's applicable. So Natalie, thank you so much for joining me today to discuss demystifying the requirements in coding isolation. Absolutely, thank you for having me. This has been a Healthcare Highwire presentation. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us on Gone Learning. See you next time. Legal disclaimer Life Care Services LLC is not engaged in rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel. Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast.